This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. Alright everyone, welcome to another episode of Road to Endgame. Done by Zingness. You got me, Zinger, and I am joined by a very special guest. Hey, ahoy hoy, it's Zach from Cinemodies and Zinger's side podcast, Knights of Vader. Uh, thanks for the ahoy hoy. Oh, good Burns reference. Um, so, sir, what made you choose Civil War? And completing our, apparently, unintentionally completing our Captain America trilogy of movies with this Road to Endgame. Well, first I asked Sanger, can I do First Avenger? And he said, it's taken. And I said, can I do Winter Soldier? And he said, also taken. And then my response was, damn it. And I said, all right, Civil War then. <laughs> so so after, okay, after your first two choices were next, why did you choose Civil War? <laughs> um, because Captain America, or I guess the, the Chris Evans incarnation of the character has always resonated with me. Probably the only MCU film that I, I genuinely enjoy is the first Avenger. And I think Steve Rogers of the MCU is probably the only multi-layered character. He's not just the quip machine, which is every other character in these movies. <laughs> and, and so I think he stands out in that way. And I think that's definitely why that character has resonated with mass audiences, that he is this kind of stark, pardon the pun, contrast to all the other characters in this universe. So, um, yeah, considering that I couldn't have my first or second choice and that he really isn't much of an interesting character in either the Avengers, Age of Ultron, or Infinity War, I figure, what, what's my third best option? Civil War. Also, uh, Avengers 2.5. Yeah. That's, that's one thing I've always found weird about this movie is that, like, Age of Ultron could very easily be called, like, Iron Man, Iron Man colon Age of Ultron, and they could have made this Avengers Civil War. I mean, it it does have the narrative thread of, of course, um, of the Steve Rogers storyline and Bucky storyline. It does have that through line to kind of give that a conclusion, per se. But it's very much putting things in place and doing a lot of stuff with a lot of characters. And they, I, I feel like they juggled a lot of balls in this scenario. And I think they did a good job with most of them. This is funny because, as I've said before... I had a bad taste in my mouth from this movie for some reason, and it's been years since I watched it, and I cannot remember why I didn't like this, because I watched it again and loved it. Yeah, this is a... I remember the same thing almost, I think, happened to me when I saw this in, like, what was it, May of 2016 when it was originally released. Um, I remember... I was I saw it opening night, like, 7 o'clock that Thursday, and I remember just kind of being... I don't want to say bored... But I think it's the same thing with these movies is that, like, I have no idea why a Captain America movie has to be two and a half hours long. I just I just I, I cannot understand that it should be a crime to make a movie longer than two hours. And the punishment should be for the directors is that if, if you make a film that's longer than two hours, you should have to drink a like 7-Eleven Big Gulp at the very beginning, like chug it. And you can't use the bathroom for the entire runtime runtime of the film. Oh boy, <laughs> that should that should be that should be your punishment for every time you make a movie longer than two hours. I mean, is that what I have to do before um, Endgame? 
If you want to destroy your bladder, yes. <laughs> I'm I am the end game right now. <laughs> That's your bladder screaming about two hours the way through. Um, but no, I agree with you. Like the first time I watched this, I was like, ugh. And then like over time, I'm like, oh, like this. It, don't get me wrong. I still don't think this is a great movie, but I think it's definitely one of the more well-rounded MCU films. Yeah. Uh, okay. So watch it again, but. Ironically, and I'm gonna point this out. Before I watched it, I happened to notice there was a like a YouTuber that I normally watch online posted a video why Civil War is the best MC, M- MCU movie, and I was like, I'm gonna watch this beforehand, and it pointed out that like the character development of all the characters and stuff, and how well done everything was in it, and I was like, you know, this was a good primer for me to go back and watch this and be in the best mindset I possibly could. Where I make sure that, you know, I'm not just coming at this. And for some reason, if it was something I just got irritated about because it wasn't like the comics, something like that, I came into this with a clear with a clear vision in my head of what they were like, hey, here's why, so I could have gone into it that way. And something they point out is that who is the villain of this movie, in your opinion, Zach? Ah, uh, the villain of this. I think okay, this is a controversial opinion. Uh, Iron Man is clearly the villain of this movie. That isn't a controversial it's- opinion. That's that's the truth. Watch the movie. Yeah, and I think – because I remember in the marketing lead-up for this, they're like, oh, there's no like clear-cut like, like hero. It's like gray. Everything's ambiguous. And the thing is that I think that's correct for like nine-tenths of the film. But the problem is at the very end when they're sitting there like punching each other in the face for like the a millionth time, mm-hmm. there's the moment where he's – what's it on? They're in the – oh, God. We call it the missile silo or yeah. venting area, and uh, Iron Man has the, the repulsor up to Captain America's face. He doesn't have his shield, and he's like, last warning, stand down. And Captain America goes, obviously referencing the first Avenger line, I could do this all day. Now, now, da- now stop at that point. Okay. Um, odds on that will be in, in – in, in Endgame. 100%. 100% you think it. I, I'm, I'm no agreeing with mind. you. They will be, there will be a failure on multiple levels if, if he is not facing Thanos at one point and says that. It's not... Okay. Uh, pre- not, I'm not going to say anything because I don't know. I, okay. For, okay. For, for the, the record, for the record, he... If you're like, why didn't you guys do a prediction on what happens in Endgame? I am foreboding it because <laughs> I know he knows stuff. So I'm 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 not allowing him to do it because I'm like it's cheating and I don't want a moment where someone's like wow Zach just hit all those nails on a head. I want it on the record that I guessed something before I saw any leaks and I you, got you wanna, it right. You, you, I'm you not gonna plug say your show is. for that real quick. No, I'm not. Okay, no. Last time I was on, I said I said the c word too. Well, not that c word. Another c word. Um, <laughs> almost definitely at that time. Um, no, I'm not gonna plug my show because I don't want to be that guy again. But no, I predicted something is a farce and I got it 100 percent right. But for the record, the I could do this all day. He is. I, again, I don't know. I'm saying that now. Full disclosure. I have no idea. But as a guest, just pulling it out of the thin air, he's going to say it again, but he's not going to he's not going to say it to Thanos. He's going to if I would imagine something's going to happen where he's going to end up back with what's her name, Peggy Carter, and they'll be dancing the night away. And she'll say something like, oh, I think it's time to turn in. And He'll turn around to her and go, I could do this all day. And that's and that's and that'll be his swan song because it'll be the rule of threes. First Avenger, Civil War. You need that. You need that payoff. Um, and that, that's just my guess, but, but going back, I'm, I'm the, saying it goes to Thanos for the record, but that's all just right. me. He, he has a thing he's going to say to Thanos, but it's not that I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. He's got, a thing what he's, he's going to yell Ant-Man now. 
And Ant Man's no. gonna jump up his. <laughs> Zenger, what? Okay. Okay, Zenger, do your little clap, 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 so we can take a break for a second. So going back to that scene, at that moment when Captain America says that line, you have made Iron Man the bad guy. Because if you go back to your he, first He's event, been the entire movie, though. It's just th- – th- no. this is – I feel like this is the final moment where they're like, if you haven't gotten it yet, here's the final final thing of he's the villain. No, because what – no, I'll give them the credit for this because everything prior to him with his blood vengeance or bloodlust for Bucky Barnes, he's – Oh God! We've established this now through the entire MCU that Tony Stark is. Oh God! He has this emotional guilt for everything. Like for some reason, he has a guilt complex. Whether it be the Stark Enterprises making weapons, basically everything that he's done goes back to the cave. He has a guilt complex, and every single movie explores that to a different degree. And this is clearly the very beginning of the film where he's in like what the 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 corridors behind the stage MIT, mm-hmm. and the woman who works for the State Department like shoves a picture of her son in his chest and goes, "You killed my son," uh, which again doesn't make sense in you. The only thing, my biggest problem with this movie. Is that I think it's amazing that like think about it, if it wasn't for their involvement in New York, how many millions of people would have died? <sighs> and yet you have all this, and I get it. Like Thunderbolt I mean, Ross hates superheroes. By the so way, I get that. by the way, Return of Thunderbolt Ross actually vaguely making that Hulk movie relevant again. Vaguely, yeah. yeah. I, I, I I like that he came back and he's kind of floating around in the MCU as like this. Well, I mean, it makes sense. He's like a um. Defense Secretary, I think. Yeah, I just watched this defense. movie and I couldn't yeah. remember. Yeah, Secretary of Defense. Yep. Yeah, like I said, no. I, 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 there's some of this that you. Okay, I'm not thrilled with these movies. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I drink the Kool Aid. I've seen every single one of them, like in theaters, except for Iron Man: The Incredible Hulk in 2008. Um, but at the same time, though, I think Zenger's kind of learned this after he's binged watch these for the last like three weeks. I am. Is currently... that these films really don't. I am currently about to watch Guardian of the Galaxy Volume 2, so I am in the home stretch, but not at the end game yet. Da 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 da. <laughs> Only six more films to go, folks. I know, and I'm slowly um, losing no, it. <laughs> slowly. Uh, but no, I think these films work better when you like, treat them like episodic over, over the course of like months if not years apart i think if you try binge watching these you realize oh dear lord there's not much to these films it's like it's like eating fruit loops for every meal of the day for like a month straight i i feel like the only thing i'm getting from this is tony stark why are you doing the same thing over again when will you learn tony well that's and that's part of his guilt complex and that's and that's what it stems from everything that he does is stem from the guilt complex and that's fine like but the problem is they really don't develop it and, and it's also not just the writers. I think the writers are a lot smarter than what the films allow them to do because Robert Downey Jr. is an actor and his ego has forced them into doing something a very specific way. And you can't blame them because clearly he's the foundation of this entire thing. But at the same time, though, it's like you watch this movie and he does for the most part come across unlikable. And it, it's it's built into the plot, but it's never really thoroughly explained because every, that's my biggest problem with this movie is that like every time it starts to get interesting and we start watching these characters bicker amongst each other, 
um, which I love. Oh we, no, this autom- this has a lot of great like philosophical musings from people and a lot of stuff to where yeah, the airport fight scene's great, but there's a lot of ideology fights going on in the entire movie that are kind of interesting to watch play out and who you know switches sides through that regards too. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of my biggest problem is that every time something's about to get interesting, like you say, like a philosophical – in a philosophical way, it devolves into let's punch each other in the face for 10 minutes. Yeah. And it's like, oh, god. It's like, again, like the beginning – this kind of gets lost in the, the grand scheme of things with this movie. Like the beginning with the crossbones and the uh, the biological weapon. Like I'm watching that sequence. I'm like I almost got I, – I got motion sickness. The camera is just jittering around. And I'm like, what is the point of this scene? Like, I get it. You need you need the catalyst for what's going to happen with the Sokovia Accords. But like, you couldn't like kind of contain this sequence a little bit more, or make it a little bit more coherent. Uh, it's just like you're telling me you couldn't make this a little bit better. And I'm not talking about in an action scene way. I just mean make it a little bit more coherent for the plot going forward. It's like all you need, all you need from that sequence is one, one of them does something that causes the world to say, okay, maybe we need to rein them in a little bit, which is a great premise for one of these movies. Yep. And it, and it is. I mean, this this is taking the whole the civil war in the comics versus the civil war in this is two different things. Civil war in the comics was something you could really, you know, pick a side on like, like it was really choose your side, but the movie seems to be playing it out as there is a right side in this technically. And it's captain America because it's called captain America civil war. Like they tell you who to root for in this. Also something I do like, and I didn't notice till this watching of it. Tony is continuously getting more and more just physically damaged throughout the entire movie (laughs) yeah like and it's something like he he just keeps going and it's like it's not only his his um mental state that's deteriorating it's his body too of like just because he's 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 kind of losing it through this too of just because i I know he wants to be the good guy but it's like sometimes because captain america to be honest and i don't know if you agree with me or if our listeners will captain america i don't think will ever have character development in these movies will never grow as a character because he is the perfect character already. He's the ever-present Boy Scout. He's always the person to follow the right thing to do. He's the one who everyone needs to kind of set the bar by. It's the world around him that sort of develop, that develops as he goes through it. And that, that's what I think. Um, it's, I feel like he's the same character from, from when he was that guy who was sitting there with, um, with I forget the guy's name now, um, Stanley Tucci? Yeah, thank you. I, I was actually trying to remember the actor. When he was sitting there, Stanley Tucci going, uh, do you want to you, you want to go over there and kill Nazis? He's like, no, I want to, you know, I'm, I want to go be a hero. I'm a good guy. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go help he, people. He and like it's like that's, that's, he doesn't yeah, like bullies. Uh, yeah, he doesn't that like was... bullies. And it's like, that has played out the same way. He's been the same thing. Even in um, the, when, when, when it, actually in the first Avenger where he's told, Hey, you know we're we're near this base, blah blah blah, and he's like, and they're like, don't go, and he's like, okay, cool, and he goes anyways because he's like, it's the right thing to do, it's the thing that a hero should do. Then in Winter Soldier, it's yeah, I work for this government agency, but they're not doing, they're they're kind of judging people before they even have a chance. They're they're um minority reporting everyone. You can't do that. <laughs> Yeah, like, well, okay, I know a lot of people say that, and, like, that's kind of the current dilemma they have with Superman in, in movies. Super, I want to use Superman comparison, but I'm like, stay away from it, because Zach will no, do it for no, you. 
Well, no, no. Like I said, no. I I don't care about Superman. Like I, I he's not again. Superman's neat, but he's they don't do him right. Fascinated with. Well, but that's the problem. Though, is like, like that. That was the kind of the thing with Captain America and why they always kind of hesitated. Like I, I think I told um, Zenger back during the Watchmen trial of Zeng this. It was like they made a Watchmen movie before they made a Captain America movie. Yeah. Or, or I guess I'd say a, a proper Captain America movie. I'm not talking about the, the 1991 <sighs> um, with what's his name? Uh, the Catcher in the Rye Guy's son. That's J.D. Salinger's son. But no, I, I, no, I agree with you. Like, And that's what makes Captain America interesting because like you said, it goes back even to the line of dialogue that was it. Dr. Erskine says to him, like, no matter what happens to you, never change. Still be this person. And yet what makes Captain America so compelling, I think, is the fact that he's a fixed point in this universe, mm-hmm. is that he is – he's the unstop or the immovable object. He he is there and he will not budge. And they have the line of dialogue even this with uh, – oh, God, what's her name? Uh, Emily Van Camp mm-hmm. or, or – yeah, where she says a thing like, oh, Aunt Peggy told me that no matter what happens, don't move. Again, I'm butchering it. I'm not even going to try paraphrasing it. But no, and that just and that just reinforces his his thing. It's like okay, never compromise. Yeah, where where she's giving that speech during her during her during her funeral and everything. Yeah, and and it, and it's like it's kind of that reaff- reaffirming Steve's you know his ideology and everything. To kind of he's hearing it, but it's like that's still his ideology. So he's still like you know I'm I'm doing the right thing and everything because he brought up a good point. He's like. If if I see a situation going south, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna try to stop it. There's no if ands or buts about that. You know if I can and, and the whole you know we're not gonna sacrifice one person to to yeah. save you know it's we everyone's everyone gets out alive. Well, one thing I think and again this is kind of jumping ahead, but I think it's interesting about that character because like like you said he his roles in Avengers and Age of Ultron are minimal. Like he doesn't have much of a, a uh, presence in the he's, he's just there. the ex facto kind of i'm the leader when stark isn't being the leader per se well that's the way like, in the first avengers he's kind of just there like he's he's part of a team but he really has no like until the very end he doesn't really have much of a a position and then age of ultron said what very explicitly that he's in charge of all this yeah and then the thing i th- I, I find interesting like they start said, butting heads there they, they oh they, yeah no, no no that's probably the best scene of that entire film is that uh, uh, but in Infinity War, because again, he has probably the least amount of screen time out of anybody in that film. <laughs> he and is a, he is an immovable object in that movie. Of just he's that character that keeps appearing in scenes. Yeah, and I, and I kind of like he does have one interesting thing in Infinity War is the idea of like, like we're so used to whether it be in just media or in anything like the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And yet, Captain America, I think it's funny that nobody's picked up on this from Infinity War, is that he has the line of dialogue to what's Vision. Vision's like, just like, kill me! Kill me! <laughs> kill me! And yet, he tells Vision, like, we don't trade lives. And, like, that's a really, like, fascinating, like, response to the old adage of the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And he's it- even talking to something that's, a, I mean, Vision's alive, quote-unquote, but something that's a synthetic being and that I mean, isn't technically human, but it has a kind. I don't know. It's it, it's it's confusing gray area. But yeah, it's he's saying it to even that that we don't trade lives, even in that regard. 
Yeah, and I think that like you said that makes that just adds another dimension and layer to it. But I think just that general concept of that being a response to the idea of like you know what if we sacrifice one person we could save uh, trillions. But as we know what happens at the end of Infinity War, and it's sad like something like something as clever as that gets lost in just the 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 filthy casuals in the audience drooling over the fact of oh man the big purple man has a dish glove with little glowy stones in it, like or it, just sad. cheering uncontrollably that they saw Captain America on screen. You know what, Zenger? I'm gonna, I might have to force you to put. I I don't think I told you this. Right again, Zenger doesn't listen to cinemodies as much as he should. I actually replicated that exact moment in the train station. If Zenger is kind enough, I might have to give him the clip so he can insert it somewhere in this episode. All right. I'll have to give it to him because no, it's uh, it's horrible, folks. I had, uh, I guess, full disclosure. I had one of the worst, probably the worst theater-going experience you could possibly have seeing Infinity War. Um, it was a nightmare times one thousand. Like I, I'm pretty sure I had no I, I didn't hear ninety percent of the dialogue that night. Um, but that's a story for another day. But getting back to Civil War, um yeah, the Tony Stark thing with him being the villain, it's and he's not a villain as in like he's mustache twirling. But I think one of the other elements of this, because I know everybody loves comparing the MCU villains now, now that we're no longer just stuck with, oh, we have Red Skull and an abomination. <laughs> MIA. Well, well, MIA, I think, is the correct term. Uh, Sanger, I have a question for you. You're, you're, yeah. you're more of a comic books person than I am. When Thanos did his little snap, would that have affected Red Skull on Vormir? Or Verm, wherever actually, the is? funny enough, um, if I remember correctly, the Russo brothers were actually asked about that, and they said that he's no longer bound to the, to the will of the stones anymore, and he did survive the snap. Ah, interesting, interesting. But... Who knows? What, it's it's one of those things. I swear, though, the the directors and stuff are just ass stuff, and they're just like, I'll just say whatever comes to mind. Because guess what? The, so whoever comes next will redo it or change it or do whatever they want anyway. So it doesn't really even matter what I say half the time. Interesting. But that's Interesting. that's allegedly what was said is that they were like he's not no longer technically tethered to having to sit there on Boromir, but. At the same time, it's like, what's it going to matter? Who knows? I mean, maybe he's maybe he's the key part of Endgame. <laughs> we can only hope. Um, but no, like, again, everybody compares their MCU villains. Everyone goes, oh, Eric Killmonger's great. No, Purple Guy's great. <laughs> no, it's like all this. I'm like, nobody talks about Daniel Brühl's Baron Zemo, who I have to say is probably the most interesting villain in all these movies. It's because think, you don't know anything about him. Well, I, well, you do. You basically no. It's not that you don't know anything about him. You're given like this is the thing that people forget. Like, oh god, they don't pick up on is that like just because we don't know the intricate backstory of a villain or a character, it's the idea if it's efficient storytelling. Like, we don't need to know Baron Zemo's backstory. We get all we need to know about him in like, oh god, like three lines of dialogue where he's like, "My family lived in Sokovia. We lived on the outskirts. I thought it was safe for them." Because of of the because of me not being there, my family died, and I blame the Avengers for this. That's all you need to know about him for a villain. That's well, you have his entire motivation, one bite sized piece. That's perfect. There's also the little bit of um, of you kind of hear him listening to those phone messages. Oh yeah, he says the one voicemail that he's listening to throughout the entire film. Yeah, and it's it's I never picked up on like the significance of that. It's one of those things I just thought it was just some other character that just got left as a loose end or something. I was like, oh wait, whoa. And then by the end of the film, he deletes it. Yep. 
because he's he's done what he needs to. He's he's gotten his revenge. Exactly. I, and I don't. And that's the fun thing is that like you look at like Marvel villains and you can basically break them into break them into this like dichotomy. They either want to kill everybody or they want to kill everybody and they want revenge. And where they kill everybody and want revenge is someone like Eric Killmonger, um, the Mandarin. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, what? Not not Trevor Slattery Mandarin. Guy Pierce Mandarin. Thank you. <laughs> God, correct that. I, I, got, um, I got the name. But I'm just gonna leave it at that. Good. So no, but like that's kind of what most of these Marvel villains are. Yeah, it's nice to have one where it's like it's it's a relatable villain. It's in the same ballpark as. Michael Keaton's Vulture, where it's like, oh, this is like an idea that like we can get behind. Like, oh, you have this guy who's a business owner. He like mortgages his entire business to like do this job. The government comes in, basically just says, you know what, you're out of luck, buddy, and says, you know what, you forced my hand. I didn't want to do this. I wanted to play by the rules, but your involvement caused me to behave this way. Yeah. And that's essentially what happens in in Civil War with Baron Zemo. And I think it's so, again, I think and Tony Stark technically wants revenge the entire time, and that's kind of what starts driving him at a certain point. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I didn't even think of that, but yes. Well, it, it does, and it's and it's pointed out by um by Black Panther when they're sitting outside. He's like, um, rage has consumed you as it almost consumed me, and it's consuming them right now. It's like you could go in there and do something about that, you know? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think again, this is where God Black Panther is so cool in this movie. Like I, he is just. He's the coolest thing, which I don't think. I don't be wrong. The Black Panther movie itself is fine. I have no problems with it. I, I think I do. Okay. I do have a little problem though with you saying that Killmonger is just another villain. I I actually really do like that. The villain changed the hero's perspective in that movie. I no, I don't think so because if you look at if you look at what Black Panther was already like doing pre I guess pre his own film I guess Civil War because apparently I think Black Panther takes place like a week after the events of Civil War I used to oh my god I'm going to have to pull this up again I I did have like a cuz there's the watch it in release order and watch it in chronological order and chronological mm. order gets weird well, okay, from what my understanding of this, if it's wrong, I don't know. But from my That's understanding, it takes place... While, while you're like, talking, I'll look it up. Movies all take place within like a week of each other. All right. Um, no, my problem with Eric Killmonger is, is that, and I know that argument of, oh, like I know like even Chadwick Boseman's like, oh, the villain's correct. And I'm like, the villain wants to murder people because he's like just it's it's retribution. I'm like, how is how is that a relatable villain? Like, oh, I want to murder someone because I feel I'm a victim. I'm like, no, that's not a relatable premise. Like, again, it's it's the weird thing that Marvel's starting to do now between like Black Panther and, and Captain Marvel, where it's like we're starting to like infuse current day socio-political elements into this. And I'm like, uh, it's like that's like, you know what? Again, I know a lot of people out there like that. Ooh, but the same I got time a timeline with years put to it. Interesting. All right. How many ABY is Black Panther Zanger? <laughs> oh, Star Wars scroll. reference in the MCU I, I discussion. Know, I know. That, that was nice. Um, okay, so in 2016, Captain America Civil War, Spider-Man Homecoming, and Black Panther all take place. Yeah, they all take place like in the span of like a week. Also, Doctor Strange starts in 2016 and concludes in 2017. Oh yeah, because he's he's training for a nice portion of that movie. Yes. Um, but no, like I said, no, I I don't want to get too far down the Eric Killmonger well. But I think there is an element that it's more. It's a. Oh, let me wrong. Michael B. Jordan's performance in oh, role that is much God. flashier than, than Baron Zemo. They have like a breakdown of even more stuff. Oh my God, why am I on this side? I need to stop. They have like a breakdown of like when the Infinity Stones were first introduced, when 
this happens. There's oh my gosh, there's there's too much. Well, nobody knows that. The problem is something like that doesn't. Nobody knows for certain. It's just a lot. Oh of no, wait. This is comic book. Oh. Oh okay. Well, if it's comic book, I I have no. Never, never mind. No never ignore me. Ignore me. <laughs> But no, I I think that's the thing with Baron Zemo and going back to Black Panther's role in this. And I'm not even talking about like how he'll like show up and he'll be involved with like action sequences. I'm not talking about that. I mean just how Chadwick Poseman does this role and his performance, just like this really like elegant regal nature, just just in his voice alone. Mm -hmm. It's and you really I don't think I don't think a lot of that carries over. Because what they did in Black Panther, and Zenger knows this from the comics, and I, can, I have a faint understanding of Black Panther in the in the comics, is like Black Panther is supposed to be like, or T'Challa, is supposed to be like one of the smartest characters in the Marvel Universe. Yep. And the problem with the movies is that they've stripped that component of him and they've given it to Shuri. Yeah, I and, mean, they, they haven't. He's still pretty smart, but just, he's smart like in like a, I feel like he's smart in like a diplomatic sense. And just yeah. how to speak and carry himself. Whereas Shuri's actually smart in the sense of like straight up like tech not like she's Tony Stark on I mean what they've shown. They they could once yes. again next movie, uh end game somewhere in there, show something that's like, wait a second, that changes this. Yeah, I don't think they're good. I think people like Shuri's enough of a fan favorite now, I don't think they would do that. But it's it's the idea of like he because I remember people telling me back this was like when I was in college and like when the first Avengers came out it was like oh it was like you had Reed Richards Tony Stark Bruce Banner and then it was T'Challa like it, he was like top five smartest yep. people in the universe and they and he I think he has some of that in, in this which again I, I don't know maybe by the time they were making this they hadn't written the script for Black Panther yet anyone's guess I have no clue. Um, but I do feel that, like even as, like you said, his his kind of speech at the very end to to Baron Zemo is the whole thing. Where I think it's one of the coolest moments in this entire series is that again Zemo puts the gun to his chin and Black Panther kind of tackles him. And I love how he just puts the like, his glove or a part of his suit over like the barrel of the gun and mm-hmm. it fires. And I love the line like the living aren't through with you yet. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's it's so cool. It's like that's the sort of stuff you need in these movies. Like like twenty years from now, people aren't gonna remember, oh, remember that part where where Black Panther attack or nicked the motorcycle of Bucky Barnes and made him fly into the air. People aren't gonna remember that twenty years from now. Or the reason why people love that character is not for that reason. They love it when the characters have their deep philosophical moments that define who they are as a character in these in these movies. And it's so sad that like, it just th- gets thrown out the window for for a thirty million dollar action sequence. But actually, that, that's kind of my problem with this. That this movie's really like it's like a civil war of the philosophical component of what makes these movies great and just the mind numbing action. So, besides, um, besides T'Challa, we get the introduction of another, another, um, superhero, Spider Man. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> well, the reason I remember it is because I was thinking about it, and it's something to where that's kind of where I point to as Tony Stark actually being a villain, like very villainous in the sense of going a little bit beyond. Because in this, okay, when he's sitting there talking to Spider-Man, when he's sitting there talking to Peter Parker, and he's like, why, why, why do you do what you do? And Peter Parker's like sitting there, and he's like, because if I don't, people will get hurt. Like, he basically is straight up going, I'm on Captain America's side. In this philosophically, yeah. but then what does Tony Stark do? He, you, you can, you can actually see it. Robert Downey did, did a good job of kind of. You see him start to have a cog turning of maybe I'm not doing the right thing, 
But what does he do? He gets he gets him out there still. He gets he takes a kid from Queens out there to go fight. Now, mind you, it is Peter Parker, Spider-Man, so I mean he's not like the most non-dirt, I mean most like vulnerable kid in the world, but still. He goes and gets him to fight and tells him, "Oh, Cap's going to say all this stuff. He's lying to you." And of course, what's what's this kid going to do but believe him? So That's well, that's one of those moments where I'm like I I kind of like that as a vague nod to the comics that Spider-Man deep down was on was on um of course Captain turned out in the end to be on Captain America's side, but was on Iron Man's side for a while. But anyways, that I I I, I was like that note, and I also of course love that Spider-Man's part of the universe. He's a great addition, um, great entrance by it. Also, um, I I am Ellie also told me, and I forgot to say this beforehand to limit the Star Wars discussion, uh-huh. but I am allowed to say it on the pre- premise of he does bring up Empire. <laughs> and I, I love, I actually love, love the joke of where, you, how, how old is this kid? <laughs> yeah, because all- because liking Star Wars movies has an age limit. <laughs> oh yeah, no, like okay. The thing about the Spider-Man component of this, and this is where you kind of have to realize the real world, like m- like machinations of these of filmmaking, is that like. They were like when Spider Man got like a net, like, or when Sony and, and Disney made the deal, that was like January or February of 2015. So they were like just about to start filming Civil War, and they already had a script completed. And obviously, they wanted him in the movie bad. Everybody did, both the, the fans and the filmmakers. So I and Tom Holland, so he could ruin it for everyone by telling him the ending. Well, that too, but I think. A lot of what happens with him in this movie is so blatantly shoehorned. Like it, yeah. it feels like it's just it's kind of like crudely grafted onto the side of this film. Because he's in it, he has the one like as I was watching all the moments with him in this, you could remove his entire. I don't even call it a subplot, but you could remove the Queens thing. You could pull him out of the this the airport battle, and it would not change the film at all. Yeah, they 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 take out. Um ant-man slash giant man a different way not that hard to do um the whole pre- i mean the whole beginning of the fight the, the him taking the shield doesn't really no do anything the, and you him, could remove him from the film you did not change that at all yeah but i mean it's it's cool to have him and it, it does it does seem like yes he was a late addition to this but i i'm i'm glad that he exists in the universe and everything even though it's the weird thing of sony still has you probably be the one who would know more than anyone the how that whole deal works because isn't it? It's it's a mess. It's a mess. Disney it's, it's a slash mess. Marvel makes the movies, but Sony has the distribution rights well, or something. I don't know. It's th- to give to give context to this was that like back in the nineties when Marvel Marvel the company was in big big financial trouble. They basically had to kind of like leverage every asset they could in order to basically stay afloat and that was basically everything selling the film rights for the x-men the fantastic four to fox the theme park rights to what is now comcast universal but at the time it was lord knows who because it kept getting bought again universal theme parks have been bought and sold so many times i've lost track um but one of the things was they sold what happens was 
I I want to say it I, like, I vaguely know a lot of this stuff, so I'll, I'll try to help you because I I used to have like when people would have the why doesn't so and so and it's like because so and so owns them or this person owns them and that's it's well it, it's sad that that a ton of legal stuff is getting in the way of a good story sometimes but well whatever. I think but I think any sort of restrict any sort of restrictions help creativity flourish it does like it's kind of like what happened with like it's like with DC DC has their entire stable and they're no better because of it yep. But going back to Spider-Man, though, what it is with this – Spider-Man's in a different boat than, like, Fantastic Four and X-Men is that there, there's two parts of that deal which are really weird. Was uh, back in the 90s, Sony – because the rights to Spider-Man on film have always been a mess, and that's what they, stopped – that's they what stopped also, James Cameron's Spider-Man from coming to fruition. I know that a lot of the contracts, you have to use the intellectual property in a certain amount of time because if you don't it does it they they well, can be reverted back so that's, that's why we got like fan four stick and the new x-men <laughs> movies and the god-awful garfield spider-man movies <laughs> refuse to watch them i refuse to watch them to this day still you're you're missing out on that second one man that second one is a treasure <sighs> it's a treasure of awfulness but anyway, though, no, because what happened? Because the rights of Spider-Man have always been a mess because it's just they've been passed around from studio to studio. Uh, there should be an episode of Zangness about James Cameron's Spider-Man where um, he was gonna have like a, like he was gonna be an R-rated Spider-Man. And he was Edgy. gonna have like he was gonna have very very like aggressive angry sex with Mary Jane. I'm not joking. That's a real thing that was gonna happen in that movie. Whoa. Um, th- again, there should be a Zegnis episode on that. And I, I'll I, work I, on. I I know that there's a there was a recommendation for failed superhero movies. Or superhero it, superhero movies that that never came to be. Like failed okay. is in they never got to be. Pat, they never yeah. came to pass. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Considering that Spider-Man: Far From Home comes out in July, that might be a nice little series. It might be. It might June be. or July. It might be. Uh, but no, it's like I keep this cut short. Was that they sold? What happens was Sony basically they didn't get the film rights to Spider-Man. They kind of like bought a stake in the character, and that's what makes the Spider-Man deal so peculiar compared to like, mo- like again things like Daredevil, uh, uh, Ghost Rider, X-Men. There's something to do Four. with the Hulk too. That's still weird. And that's, that's why we never get got a solo movie. That's that's its own thing, and that's that's that deserves its own discussion. But that's a topic for another day. But no, so Sony just like, giving partially... me topic ideas. Perfect. Oh yeah. No, there's a lot. Oh, no, oh god, the Marvel did, the Marvel stuff, the contracts it did, but the solo stuff they did in the '90s in order to stay solvent is fascinating. And then once you throw Disney into this, oh god, it gets even more interesting. The stories I have that Disney has done with the theme park stuff with Orlando. Oh boy, folks, it's interesting. Oh, if you're a nerd that loves that sort of stuff, like like a a comic book legal nerd. Oh man, I got stories. I'll, I'll, oh god, you'll love them. But so anyway, stay tuned late. So stay tuned to a future episode of Zingness where it will be two hours of background of Zach discussing stuff while I sleep. <laughs> hey man, I think your audience would dig that. Because <laughs> it's never addressed. And the problem is that a lot of it's stuff you kind of have to hear through the grapevine. It's never kind of explicitly said. No, like, one, never... no one wants to talk about it. Like, nobody um, wants to talk um, about it. Um, I, I meant like nobody in, in the realm of like people legally or people who are involved with the deals like they, they try to ignore it or yeah they well, have ndas well it's i think it's the fact that disney doesn't want people knowing their business i think that's a big part of it but getting once again like the seventh time now back to spider-man was we'll that get back, there <laughs> back in like when when disney bought marvel in 2009 a lot of those contracts from 10 years earlier 
got re-examined. And Sony did something that was really weird. Um, part of the things that they renegotiated in like 2009-2010 was they forfeited all the toy revenue, license revenue for, for their, their, their films, whether it be – at that point, I think it was more the um, – Andrew Garfield ones, not the Raimi films. They forfeited all the toy uh, revenue for sole revenue from the box office grosses. So if you were in 2012 and you went to go see The Amazing uh, Spider-Man starring Andrew Garfield and then immediately afterwards went to Walmart and bought a toy based off that film. Because that's what you do. Because that's what you do. Sony got all the money from your ticket, yet Disney got all the money from the toy. And no one could figure out why – because Sony wanted this. Marvel, Disney didn't force that upon them. uh, Sony wanted that, and that's one of the many reasons why uh, Sony made the deal with Disney was that they were not making enough money on this anymore. And so they figured, okay, we need to do something because think about it. They were making all these movies with Andrew Garfield, and and think about Spider-Man. Spider-Man toys or any sort of merchandise is a license to print money. He's the Mickey Mouse of Marvel. And so Sony was kind of pulling its hair out saying, how on earth did we sit there? How did we dig ourselves into this hole? And that was one of the reasons why you got eventually the deal with Marvel. It was not like, oh, we want to have – we want to be in your sandbox, which don't be wrong. They wanted that, but it was more of a uh, rectifying a issue that they caused by themselves. True that. And and, and and as they kind of proved, they can do a Spider-Man movie. They just call it Venom. Oh, man, Singer, I am so excited for Venom 2, The Crimes of uh, Cletus Cassidy. <laughs> Please change his hair. No, absolutely not. I want the, the carrot top wig. Do not change the carrot top wig. So so the airport scene. I, yes. I guess I guess we got to talk about that since we're at this point. Um, I know that somewhere on one of my hard drives there is hours of me and Rob. Not Rob from your show, Rob from Zingness and Rob from my friendship with him. Um, discussing, like, arguing over, I think it's the, um, I think it's the DC movies, and all of them eventually turned to us arguing about this scene. And I, it's one of those things, they, they, they will never see the light of day. Because I would go through and start editing them, I'm like, this is incomprehensible garbage, because it's just us eventually arguing about an MCU movie, even though it starts out with how Batman versus Superman was a mess. And he's like, well, and, and it normally went, went to eventually, he just pointed out, well... I mean, the Avengers blew up an entire airport for no reason. I'm like, yeah, they they kind of did, but... I don't know, I, I just wanted to see your thoughts on it. I mean, it's a cool fight scene, but yes, if you look at it, Tony Stark should have been in jail for for just being involved in that. And I love how they kind of point out in the movie, but then ignore it immediately. Um, I think it's funny that like pretty much every comic book movie discussion now, the jumping off point or it devolves into something about Batman v Superman. I like I like that just being like it's this weird sort of just like gravitational like fixed point like we're all sucked into is like part of the culture nowadays. Um, so nobody likes that movie. Yet everybody can't deny the impact it's had on these films. Um, but no, the airport battle scene. Um, I think it's 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 shot really well. Like one thing, like I talked about earlier, that stupid uh, sequence where like the biological weapon, where you can't tell what's going on because the cameraman had too much coffee that morning. Just um, excited I, to I, be there. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I love that. Like everything is like shot. It's done in broad daylight. It's not done at like they could very easily have done that at night or had it take place at night and been like, oh dear lord, I can't see half of what's going on. Uh, no, I think it's well staged. 
um, in universe. I think this was right when like oh god, this was like yeah, like you said this was right after the uh, the Batman v Superman like Man of Steel debacle. And like I know they have that really specific point where it's like was on the P like the public address system. They're like oh they're clearing the airport, and it's like oh there it is. It's yep. like they've co- they've covered their bases. So no one can accuse them of uh, doing what Hack Snyder did in Man of Steel. And uh, no, I think it's I think it's a really well choreographed um, uh, uh, action sequence. I think it's it's definitely a lot better than again the, the beginning one or the one at the end where it's just Iron Man and Captain America punching each other in the face for ten minutes. Um, it's clever. There's some really creative moments. I love the the Ant Man on the the arrow. I know that's from the comics, but I think that's yep. nifty. They were able. To, that tra- I love how that translates so well. I love the part with a uh, Hawkeye. He shoots the arrow, and obviously Iron Man in his cocky, arrogant nature is like, "Oh, you missed one." He's like, "Major luck." And Wanda's pulling all the cars out of the parking garage. On yeah. Him. Um. No, it's it's really neat. Oh, but- once again, Hawkeye being involved in this was was fun. Yeah, like I and think this, he, I think he's another, he's another he's he, he, the problem with some of these characters. Is this like, the last time we see him in action? Uh, yeah, I think so. Technically, yeah, this would be the last time we see him in action before he became becomes. Oh, Zenger, when you keep saying you're going to bring Ronan back, I know, I know, it's Ronin, really right? confusing. It's really confusing. <laughs> Why not, folks? Make make Hawkeye this weird character that that was in the comics for a little bit. No no one will notice. Uh but no, I think again, I think he, like Hawkeye is one of those characters much like the Hulk. Like if they're used sparingly or or they they punctuate a scene just right, they're fabulous. But there's like there's some characters in this. They're like what is the point? Like I I was watching again watching Civil War in preparation for this discussion. And I'm like, most of the people here aren't even superheroes. It's like the only genuine superheroes we have are like Wanda, Spider-Man, Vision, and that's like it. Like everybody else is either just like a normal person or, or science. Normal, or, or yes, or they're a, a normal person enhanced by science. And I get it. That's been the big oh, thing. Oh, technically Spider-Man is, is, is enhanced by science, but... Yeah, but in a different. He's more fantastical, though. Like he's a little bit more. He's he's more fantastic than Iron Man is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I just it's funny how you look at this. And you realize how few just like true superheroes there are in the MCU. Again, you have Thor. I think even look at the Guardians of the Galaxy. They're just like people. Come on. Uh, well, Drax is this. What a is guy. he? Yeah, no, I mean he got he was he was like thrown out of the back of a freaking crashing star. I mean space vehicle and bounced around between a ton of trees and just kind of got up gamora's yeah. enhanced with stuff rocket's a raccoon the other one's a tree and um star lord's human slash none, none of them are not okay well i think of a superhero i think of again like not to bring up superman but you either you, you want you somebody have, with that, powers yeah, to a degree. Like you want like Thor. Like you look at yeah. Captain America. Like Captain America, it has a he's an, uh, a human being to the peak of physical Everything. perfection. Yep. But at the same day, it's like him and Black Panther are the same character. Like in the sense of like abilities wise. Yes. And it's like For, oh, to a lesser extent, yes. Yeah. It's like, again, but again, you think of like Thor. Like like well, I, I know like in the original comic, Thor doesn't have much of a role in Civil War. Um, no, he's not there. He's dead. He's cloned. Well, he's cloned, right? He's okay. He's actually the actual Thor, like Thor Odin's son, is dead during that time. Just doesn't, but doesn't Tony Stark clone? But him? but there is a Thor clone, codename Ragnarok. Haha, that is made by Tony and um, Reed Richards. 
and yeah, it um, kills uh, Goliath. So, yep. And oh, and on a side note for that, when Thor comes back and finds out what happens, he beats the ever living crap out of Iron Man, like just freaking knocks him the crap around, and then basically tells him like. If you try to mess with me again, I will strafe the entire skies of this planet. No one will feel safe going anywhere in the air. So don't mess with me again. And just kind of leaves them there. Well, that's the kind of stuff you wish they'd do in these movies. Like, there's a little bit, there's a little well, bit more tension amongst the there, heroes. There, there is moments every now and then like where Thor picked them up in Age of Ultron. I was like, ooh. Well, yeah, that's, and that's where, again, the best parts of these movies is when they're bickering with each other. And there's kind of like that, just like there's that tension in the air. And again, like we talked about with Age of Ultron, like you want that, but like everything, like even at the end of this movie, everything's like, oh, everything's forgiven. It's like what? It's like like oh god, Don Cheadle can't walk anymore. It's like oh well. <laughs> it's like it's such as like there's no. I know a lot of people are saying this too, but like and they're using Infinity Wars as defense now. It's like oh, there's consequences in this movie. And it's like no, there's not. There's no more con. There's no consequences in any of these movies. It's like everybody's hunky dory and fine. And I get it. They can do whatever they want. I'm not telling them how to make. Clearly, it's working. Um, you can't argue with a billion dollars three times. You know, a like year. the only person who really gets punished. Is Scott Lang? Well, even he, by the events of Ant Man, the Wasp is all forgiven. Well, yeah, I mean, but that—that's after like, and they keep bringing it up. Like, I, I love how it's like a constant thing in that movie of like, oh yeah, remember when you went to Germany and got caught? Hey, remember when you went to Germany and got caught? And I'm like, man, they're really rubbing that in. Well, I guess again, I get it. There's so many, and that's the problem with these movies is that so many different people are working on them. It's kind of like shooting a moving target in the dark. They got to figure out the pieces. Cause like, think about it. civil war was, was, was being made in 2015. Ant-Man, the wasp was being made sometime in like 2016. So they got to figure these things out on the fly. Yeah. So there's not always going to be this like, okay, we're going to connect them all. But at the same time though, it's like the only person that I don't even want to say suffers any consequences in this or I guess even kind of accepts consequences is Captain America because he again you have the line at the end with Tony Stark and he's he's what yeah what he she slams the shield onto the arc reactor essentially what disabling it so he can't he can't really use the suit at this point anymore and he and he picks up Bucky to go walk out and Tony Stark has the line the lines of dialogue like my father made that shield you don't deserve it and he lets it go like he's kind of like once again it's 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 showing how how he's just a little bully in this scenario it's like he got beaten up and what's the thing he's gonna say give me back the shield my dad made well I think not yours. Well, I, yes, no, I think that scene works beyond It does, beyond I just, it, it was just kind of one of those moments where it was just like, okay, that they're obviously leaving the shield for a setup for something later, but still, it's... Well, I don't even, I, okay, who, yes, pro, everything, everything in these movies is seeding for something else, but I think that does work, because it's, again, it's one of the very few times Robert Downey Jr. isn't quipping, which guy? It's like it's like a Bigfoot sighting. It's so rare, <laughs> and and it's like oh, and it does. It works because you look at this point in the like you you look at the Captain America trilogy, and Captain America has deviated from this. Like he has beaten up his friend to a bloody pulp because he's defending Bucky. Like Bucky has committed serious crimes, even if he wasn't aware of it. Again, Bucky should not stand justice, but he should at least. Um, there should be some level of just oh god trial whatever. Um, well, I guess the thing that they do is they they 
he gets taken to Wakanda and they try to basically wash him clean of all that stuff. But exactly, I mean, what, what? Once again, it gets into this whole thing of like, okay, so does that make everything okay now? Or uh, well, that's well, yes, and that's part of the problem with like the the rush nature of these films, where it's like, oh, we need to get to, we had to keep hitting these checkpoints and the the road to the the end game. Again, pardon the pun. Uh-huh. And and I know I, I going back to that, like the, the towards the end of a civil war where you do have that line of dialogue where it's on my shield. Captain America lets it go because at that point Captain America has realized that he isn't Captain America. He's become selfish in the sense of like it's no longer about the idea of or it's no longer about that concept of uh, oh god um who watches the Watchmen. He's now basically sacrificed. Like think about it, he sacrificed Wanda, Scott Lang. Uh, 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 Anthony Matthews. Yeah, all of them. He sacrificed them to protect Bucky. And it's like, again, is it was it worth was it worth it? And it's like, yes, in one sense, because if if everybody else had their way, if, if T'Challa had his way, if uh, Tony Stark had his way, uh, Bucky would be dead. And it's not until kind of Black Panther comes to his senses and realizes the grand scheme of this thing. And I think there again, there's a lot going on in this movie. This movie is very dense compared to the normal just let's punch each other in the face is that you do have that kind of again a stark contrast between like look at um bucky is responsible or i guess in one sense bucky is responsible for tony stark's parents death yet he was framed for t'chaka's death and you look at it and you have two ways of handling that you have the t'challa way and you have the tony stark way you have one that learns how to reconcile the pain and anger and realizes by me, like he says, I'm no longer going to allow vengeance to consume me. Yeah. Yet you have the Tony Stark way of the emotional. I'm going to I'm going to uh, free myself yeah, of these demons by by vengeance. Yeah, he, he, he has that line where he's like, you know, he didn't know he was doing that, blah, blah, blah. And Tony's just like, I don't care anymore. And that's what it is. It's 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 the idea of how well, you that, going to that scene your was mind. really good. Then with having the duality of that, I know, and that's and that's what's the problem with this movie. Uh, not the movie. It's not the problem with the movie. It's the problem with the dumb audiences. Is that there's so, like, like you said, we have to talk about the airport sequence. I don't care about the airport sequence. It's it's a cool popcorn scene. Well, even yes, yes, you, you need the spectacle to lure the audiences. Nobody's going to spend twenty dollars to watch this in IMAX for the duality between Black Panther dealing with his father's death and Tony Stark dealing with his parents' death. No, no one's spending twenty dollars in IMAX to see this. So, of course, you, you need the the carrot on the stick to get the horse moving. But at the same time, though, is that we're not going to remember that because after what happens in Endgame. We're not going to remember the airport sequence. We're not. It's just going to be. It's going to be on a list. Of, don't get me wrong. It's going to be on like the Watch Mojo top ten fight sequences in the MCU. It'll be up there probably at like number four. But like that's the problem with upping the ante with all these things. Is that we are going to forget the spectacle. The spectacle can only last so long. It's the character moments, and that's why I really, in, in a way, I'm kind of glad Zenger forced me into this corner with cho- choosing Civil War inadvertently. No, no, no. no. Do- all the Davids. For- forced you into this corner <laughs> well there you go because i do think this movie is one of the better mcu films like i said i, I prefer I, on a sentimental nostalgic level i prefer first avenger but at the same time though i really appreciate what this film was going for and like zenger already said there's about what seven more movies after this one god dang it <laughs> is that it's sad because you don't get anything again like this in any of them like captain marvel has not even a tenth of the depth this has um black panther has a little bit more yeah. 
Uh, but again, like Ant Man the Wasp, it's like there's nothing memorable about Ant Man the Wasp. The only memorable thing in that film is the fact that the end credit sequence sets up the the the, the major linchpin of this entire series. Other than that, it's like okay. It's like whatever, and that's I think, and that's why I keep saying like this should have been Avengers: Civil War because it's more of a hallmark in the series. Yeah. It has much more importance to the overall, what are they calling it, the Infinity Saga than Age of Ultron does. And um, on that note, what is your favorite hands down MCU movie? Oh wait, you oh. already said it, it is First Avenger. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, I I love my First Avenger. And I think part of that is um. I think it's the perfect comic book um, origin story. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I don't get me wrong, a little bit of my nostalgia bleeds into that because that was kind of why I really started getting like on the hype train for all this. Um, but no, I think I think First Avenger is the perfect origin story for, for a comic book movie as of now. All right, so on the flip side of that, what is the worst MCU movie in your opinion? Um. I don't think any of these movies are bad. I think they're all well. Well, it's it's films. funny because I always say this, but it's like you're you're judging on a grade where where it's like if 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 if, if all these movies are A's, you've got one that's just a point above a B. Well, sort of I don't thing. think they're well, For, don't, and, and that's and that's your quote unquote worst. Well, okay, I know what you're getting at. But yeah, I'm gonna push back a little bit on it. In that, I think. Like, none of these movies are bad. I know a lot of people sit there grind their axe with Thor The Dark World. It's not the worst. It's not... But the problem is, it's not bad either. It's just... It's a movie. It does more for the... That does more for the overall universe and the overall storytelling, at least, as opposed to another movie. Well, I... I, Okay. Yes and no to that. But I think, like, everybody complains about, like, Thor The Dark World. I'm like, folks, it's a movie. And I think that's... That's my my always like, again. I know we're not allowed to bring up the the Star Wars words, but like that's my fear with Disney is that like Disney doesn't make bad movies anymore. Like they're not making the Lone Ranger. They're not making Oz the Great and Powerful. They they don't make bad movies anymore. Forgettable they make, movies. They make mediocre movies, and that's what Thor: The Dark World, Ant Man, Ant Man: The Wasp. Um, well, they're moved. Captain Marvel, they're mediocre. And that's what it is. Like, they have not made a bad movie yet. Like, and that's why, in a weird, like, bizarre world way, I prefer Batman v Superman. Not because I find it enjoyable or because it's well made, is that at least it stands out. I would rather have an admirable failure than a mediocre success. Like, Zanger, I, 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 I can't imagine. Ten years from now, we'll be talking about Batman v Superman more than we'll be talking about Captain Marvel 2018. I'm sorry, 2019. Like, that's the sad reality of it because there's no substance to that film. And, that, and even though Batman v Superman is insane on so many different levels, there's at least substance there to be talking about it. How did this get made? Why didn't they stop? Here, here. Why does both their parents being named Martha, I mean, both their mothers being named Martha matter so much? So many questions. Why is this conversation, what is it up with if you discuss Civil War, it inevitably leads to a Batman versus Superman discussion? Or vice versa? We didn't, no, no, we didn't compare in that sense, because I don't think it's, I don't think, I know a lot of people were doing that in, like, May of 2016, they were comparing the two, and that's not, and I I don't think that's fair, I, if you want, you can make that comparison, the, I think they came out, what, within, like, six weeks of each other, so, um, don't be wrong, 
yes, it, it, the the proximity of their releases definitely eggs on that sort of conversation and debate. But uh, no, it's just the idea that, like, like you said, Zanger, the Martha sequence. Can you name one sequence in Captain Marvel that's even a tenth as interesting? And you can put as many quotation marks around the word interesting as you'd like. That's as interesting as that in Captain Marvel. Um, I, I guess the sequence where she's fighting everyone to that whole song. What, what song? Wait, who? Oh, wait, that's not whole. Who is that? No doubt. There we go. Thank you. Why was I thinking it was whole? Oh, because she's wearing a Nirvana t-shirt at one point. Right? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, I forgot about I'm sorry. That. I'm trying to think think of the logic that got me there, and I'm like, it's not there. Hey, Zenger, you want a Captain Marvel Endgame spoiler? Oh, God dang <laughs> it. Don't. Not not here. It's, like not, it's not a spoiler. It's actually more just like a description of what she looks like. All right, so back to we're we're we're, we're back and um, <laughs> Endgame spoiler. God dang Palpatine's it. behind it all. No, that's uh, oh god dang it. No more Star Wars either. Zanger, what's gonna happen at the end of Endgame when like the credits roll in the post credit scene is just Palpatine laughing? What's gonna happen? I I, I will get up and cheer. <laughs> no no no, it's it's Palpatine laughing and then going, it's all gone according to plan. Because that that would be like you you plan this whole thing out. He's controlling both universes now. Oh, God. Ray has to stop him. This is what you get when you have unlimited power. Bum, bum, bum. So, all right. Wait, I don't even think you said your most hated MCU movie. I think I've made it loud and clear at this point what I don't like. Uh, Captain Marvel? I'm going to let your audience... I- I've said enough at this point. I think your audience can- is smart enough to read between the lines with me so far. Oh, uh, Okay. All right, so next question. Um, either mo- least liked um, MCU villain or underutilized. Oh, God. Uh, I think most boring. Can I say that? Can I, can I qualify yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll count it. I'll count it. Um, most boring villain, uh, uh, Elfish Doctor Who. Oh, there um, you go. The, the, the villain that I find I, I don't like this villain but I find it hilarious is uh, Guy Pierce's the Mandarin I, I, I'll i randomly be doing something in my house and this out of the blue I'll start screaming I'm the Mandarin and uh, I find I, I love that I, I love that line in such a corny way it's like oh okay um, but don't get me wrong the MCU has a lot of boring villains like like, like I've told Zanger like, who's the villain of Ant-Man the Wasp is it Lawrence Fishburne is it Walt, Walton Goggins is it is it the director? <laughs> is it is it the audience? Are we the villain of this movie? Oh no! The way looking at the grosses of those films, Disney probably thinks we're the villain of those films. Um, and as for as for my watching at my pointness, I still say the worst MCU movie is Iron Man three because it offers nothing to an overall story. The character learns nothing. And aside from, yes, Guy Pierce being an interesting person running around yelling stuff, the movie just offers nothing. Well, the problem with that movie is um, that movie was written before the success of the uh, Avengers. Hmm. So they were so they did at that point. They still because that movie was written back. I think oh god, that was written during like the summer when like I, I Thor like topped out like a hundred and like eighty one million captain america topped out like 179 million and so they really didn't know how these films were going to work like there was kind of like a there was a lot of like collar tugging 
in like the Marvel office, the Marvel Studios offices. So that's that's the fun thing with these movies is that like you have to look at like when they were written, and that was written in like 2011. So they were kind of like we don't know what's going to happen after this. And... We don't know like. Oh, no, I was about to say, am I most underutilized uh, villain? Uh, Ultron. I think they could have done more setup for him going into that movie because it he's and that's and that's me as a comic book fan knowing what Ultron is in the comics, and it's just such an under. I mean, yes, the performance is great. The movies, I I, I don't know. All right, it, it's, it's fine. It's it's one of those things. The fight scenes are really cool, but it's like I wish we had more time with Ultron. I wish. Like the program was set up, or that it had been something that had been being introduced throughout Phase Two, like stuff where we saw it kind of coming along instead of it's all just introduced then. Because that's the other thing is we have not had a solo Iron Man movie since Iron Man Three, but yet he's a character that has to be around so we know what's developing with his character. That's why I think that he was, as much as we joke around, him being in Homecoming is really important. For later stuff in the movies, because we know his character's changed, and we know he's he's trying to make good now. After Civil War, so I'm like, it's it's helpful to have him in there. You haven't gotten to it yet, so Iron Man is also important to be in Homecoming for Robert Downey Jr.'s bank account. Yes, it is very important. Just keep showing up. Well, the whole thing with like, I know a lot of people complain about Ultron. I it's 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 not a very good follow up to the Avengers. No. But it's it's a fine movie. I think a lot of people for, kind of uh, lost track of what that movie was going for. If you look at like all three of the Avengers movies, like the first movie, Loki gets the scepter in order for Thanos to come in, basically be the oh god, like the the hound dog and kind of thin thin the herd so Thanos can come in and wipe out half the population. And then in Age of Ultron, once again, the scepter in the was it the Mind Stone? Yep being the catalyst of that and guess what what's ultron's plan it's to wipe out half the population remember at one point where the the this uh, sokovia gets so high up in the sky friday says to tony stark like at this height they'll wipe out half the population well again you think of the the post-credit scene of that in, well in, yeah because he's like oh i'm doing my, it's like was ultron working for him well it's the mind stone i don't <sighs> And Ultron's entire thing is is the remember how Ultron has the entire plan saying that like unless I do unless I cause this it's going to happen anyway. Okay, so Ultron the, the entire plot of Ultron along with the character. I is think set that's up a fan theory thing to where it's just linking them because he's like God's going to come and smack you know wipes out and it's like the Mad Titan. I Makes sense. I it, it does it does are. and also. That is the only other time in the series that I think the term Endgame is said, and it's said by Tony Stark, and he's pointing to the sky. Yep. So I, th- I think they're clever. I think they're pretty clever. I think I think Ultron's gonna have like when we look back at these movies, all like twenty three of or what twenty two of them, including including Endgame. Um, yes, especially that, yes, it is twenty two. God damn. <laughs> I just keep reminding myself how many more I have left. I am having fun though, but god dang it. Yeah, I bet you are having how many quotation marks are around that use of the word fun. Uh, there's a few now. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I, I want my days off back. <laughs> I want my giggle back. Um, <laughs> I I think Ultron's gonna have importance in the grand scheme of things. The problem is that it's just not very interesting. I think about it. a movie can have great importance in the grand. Like it's like a, a book. It's like you have a book, 
and a chapter could be very important to the overall story. Well, that's the, that's, 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 that's why I say Dark World is actually, I feel, a better movie because it actually adds something to the universe. In it, at least. It, it adds the... It, it, it's your first real introduction of the stones and what they do. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, true, like, in, true introduction of somebody actually trying to explain it. Whereas, once again, Iron Man 3 is just... Iron Man sitting there going, I'm going to build a ton of armor. I'm going to destroy it because I'm this way. And next movie, I'm building a ton of different armor that's going to protect everyone. This isn't a bad idea, right? 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 Well, that's the problem. You have different people writing writing these movies and, that's, and they don't talk to each other. And, and that's and – that's th- I think they've gotten better about their continuity police running around and kind of – Keeping well, on what, people too, and that and that's what happens. They realized that the continuity was key to all this, and that's yep. what kept people on. Like that's why think about it. If it weren't for continuity, Ant Man would have made even less money than it already did. Well, and, that, and that's the other thing. It's it's the I think the biggest thing that sort of changed that was the um, shield disma- dismantling by Hydra. I mean, shield being infe- shield being infest infest uh, infiltrated. God, thank you with Hydra agents and that whole falling apart thing. It's like that was a big moment where it's like, hey, and, and that, that, that I think even had ripples, ripple effects into other movies. Age of Ultron being one where they just, hey, we found a helicarrier just sitting around. It's whatever. Well, that's that's fan service. Because again, War Machine shows up at the end. It's yeah. like, yeah, that's fine. It doesn't bother me. It makes sense. Like they're, they're saving all the people. It, it's That's not the end. It, it, it is. It's, it's, just, it's just the, oh, yeah, we just found a helicarrier, you know, just sitting around. It's cool. It's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so, no, I mean, I, the Civil War is a great movie. I'm really glad I went and rewatched it. And I had that primer of, you know, yes, I did realize before I had the primer that Tony Stark's kind of the villain, but I did like going through it again and kind of trying to watch it and everything and have that in mind. It, like I said, it's it's a good movie. It's It sets up a lot of stuff, and it's a more philosophical than punchy, punchy movie, even though there's a lot of both in it. Yeah, it's. A, I wouldn't say great. I think it's solid. I think it's one of the more. So, I don't think they've made a great MCU movie yet. I think it's. I think it's. It's the best one of these movies can ever hope to be. Especially that this is one of those movies that has to check all the boxes to get people on. Again, when you yep. spend two hundred and fifty million dollars on a movie, it, it better check all the boxes. Um, yes, it does. But yeah, I, I think it's kind of the best case scenario. No, I think it's a legit solid film. All right, so I'm not going to ask you what you think happens in Endgame because of stuff already said. I already told you, Palpatine's behind it all. Yes, but where do you think the MCU is going from here? Uh, what do you think is next, even though we've kind of vaguely discussed it? I, I can't say anything, but ba- this is what I'll say. I think Endgame is going to take the entire game board and throw it up in the air. I, I think so, going, so you're saying that, the entire that, world upside down. That, that the actual term Endgame is they're ending this game board and putting a new one out. Oh uh, yeah, I think that's fair to say. I think I don't know. I think some. I think obviously some of the pieces are going to still be there. But, the other one's um, going to be smashed and thrown to the side. Mm, Look out, Jeremy Renner! We're coming for your career. No, nah, I, I, I guess I, I don't think they're going to. Outside, maybe I think the only time a character's going to disappear from these movies is if the actor doesn't want to be there anymore. And considering how lucrative these films are for both the actors okay. and their careers, they're not going to say no. to There's this. been an ongoing discussion through these, and I don't think we've ever got a solid answer. Between Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth, which one is the one that doesn't want to do these anymore? Like, legit, is just like, I'm done. Well, okay, back in, like, 2013... I, I knew was, he'd know, by the way, people. Well, no, I don't know for certain, because the thing is, is that it depends on... Like, think about the God, like, think about it. Chris Evans has been in how many of these movies? Chris Hemsworth has been in how many of these movies? 
And the thing is that, like, they, they get and Chris Pratt's every... been in how many of these movies? Yeah, I know. So right? many he's one... So he's only one shy of the other two. Uh, but no, I, they get interviewed every single time they get asked that question. And, like, originally, I think Chris Evans was always the one that was like, you know what, like, like once the contract's up, I'm out. And then, like, oh, his contract, like, ran out with, like, like two movies ago. Yeah, he's still here. And I think what happens is that a lot of these actors, uh, again, they realize that this is their meal ticket. Like, it, it is bringing more. Because when Junior wasn't supposed to be on for a lot of these after a certain point. I thought he was supposed to be done. And somehow he's still floating around. Well, what happened was um, after 2014's The Judge with, with Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> and, and uh, Robert Duvall came out and it bombed. Robert Downey Jr. realized, you know what, this is my only guaranteed meal ticket in life. So I'm not gonna uh, burn this bridge, and that's what it is. Most of them, re- like, why would you? Why would you kind of pardon the the crudeness of it, though? But why would you piss on a good thing? I know. Like, I'm just. I was just wondering because I thought one of them was kind of like, you know, I'm. I'm kind of just. Chris Evans. Okay, it, it is Evans. Cause I, I, I thought Evans. Hemsworth was just having fun with it because I know Evans used to, but I know like Hemsworth is just like I, I think he's one of the ones that's like. They're, they're going to keep paying. They're going to pay me how much? Okay. <laughs> well, the thing was, was like when they, like, I remember for like the first Avengers movie, Chris Evans like refused to like cut his hair, so he had to wear like a wig. Mm. And then like as time went on, they gave him more like apparently like him having the beard and like the slick back hair in Infinity War was his idea. Yeah. And I think I think that's what they've done. Like over time, they've allowed the the actors to have more like creative control of these well, characters to a degree. That's why Thor's been a little bit more jokey. It's because. <sighs> Chris Hemsworth apparently is a really good, like, has really good comedic timing yes. for stuff. And they've kind of let him kind of bring that into the Thor character a little bit. Yeah, plus it works. Yeah, and that's yeah. why uh, by Thor Ragnarok, Thor's a joke. He's not He's not the, the god of Thor I, I, I will, I punch, will punch say, we, we've discussed it in the previous episode of the series, but I think that he still... He still has some of his moments where he's godly, but he kind of it's they're few and far between. Because like in um Infinity War, where he's around um Idri, he's very he's much more that way. Plus, um, as pointed out by by um David, why would Star Lord be copying his voice and changing it if he doesn't talk with a accent and with a more you know Thor I mean godly demeanor then? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's uh, and again, these movies aren't perfect. And I think no. Over I mean, time, once again, back at them. written by different people and a ton of nerds exactly. going and watching all of them back to back, to back, to back. And to think, folks, he could, he could be being paid right now a thousand dollars to do this. He's doing. It I would have never gotten that. Never. There's no <laughs> way. And again. <laughs> I, I I thought there. I think there was like a ton of rules that you had to like. There was a ton of like. If you didn't do something like like if you like watched them in the wrong order or did some it, it was something to where like you had to be like basically live tweeting the entire time, <laughs> hashtagging their stuff. Which as we've well, seen with hashtags, I'll spell it wrong. <laughs> oh god! But yeah, these movies are uh, they're, they're, like I said, it, it's interesting because nothing's ever been done like this before, and everybody else has tried to do something like this and it's failed. Well, so you you, have to no, appreciate- no, DC's trying to do this and just cannot for some reason. Well, I don't think it's. I don't think it's. I think Marvel's a fluke. I think they figured it out. Um, They. You can't take that away from them. I mean, that's the thing. Watching all these movies over again, 
is you watch the first few, it's like they were setting up stuff and kind of like spitballing with like, what's going to catch on? What won't? Let's see what happens. And now it's very like, there's a formula they have cracked and it goes, you do it this way and it at least makes X amount of money in the box office. Well, Captain Marvel made a billion dollars. You can't argue with that return. Yep, yep. All right, sir. Um, yeah. Well, 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 one more thing I want to ask you, Sanger. Oh, okay. On, on the on my other podcast. Because, by the way, this Star is – I, I, the last thing I was going to say is this is coming out. You can technically – this night that this comes out, you can go see Endgame. This will be out that day, Thursday. Palpatine. At the end of the movie, um, Thanos pulls off his like like Scooby Doo esque mask, and he's Snoke. And then they pull off again, and it's Palpatine. Spoiler alert! God dang it! But no, okay. This is one thing during uh, on Cinematis for our Avengers like ex- Endgame experiment series. Rob and I were talking about whether Infinity War was a Cinemati, and we have like this weird caveat anytime we talk about like blockbusters. It is. It is. Well, go go <laughs> ahead. I, I'm saying it is because I actually know I, I have a thing in my head already. But continue. Okay, so maybe maybe I'll cut. Um, I don't want to repeat it, but uh, we kind of looked at it under this lens. And our usual caveat when it comes to discussing blockbusters is like, oh, it would be a cinematic if you took out like the absurd grosses of it. And yeah, I kind of I told Rob this, my Rob, not your Rob. And well, boy, I, have to I said, distinguish that. I, <laughs> good. Um, we I I, t- I kind of posed it to him or framed it this way. It's like, can you imagine? telling somebody 15 years ago so you're you're in april of 2004 you are like guillermo del toro's hellboy just came out all you really have of the of the, the new era of comic book movies is like spider-man x-men 2 x-men united spider-man 2 is on the horizon imagine telling someone that in 15 years you'll be getting a movie like Infinity War or Endgame, they're interchangeable for the scenario where Thanos will be the villain, and you're gonna have all these weird Thor's gonna have Thor's gonna show up, and everybody and their brothers gonna know who he is. He's gonna have shaved hair. Uh, Captain America's gonna have a beard with no shield. Black Panther will be like one of the highest grossing movies of all time, and this this film will eventually be like the fourth highest grossing film of all time with two billion dollars. Would you believe this in 2004? No. And I think that's what makes these that's what makes at least Infinity Ward Endgame cinemodities. Because there is this idea of like imagine telling someone that like these movies will be that ubiquitous and beloved by the masses and they'll be that strange at the same time. My thing I was gonna go with is, and I've said it before, I feel like I can never give a true review of Infinity War until I see Endgame. Because even though they're like they're two separate movies, they're two separate things, it's like they're two parts of a whole, I feel. Depending. I mean, I don't know. I could walk into Endgame. And I'm like, oh, no, this this stands alone. But I'm like, I feel like even though the Russo brothers keep claiming they're not a two-parter, they kind of are. It's a so. two-parter, but it has its own its yeah. own like avenues it goes down. So that, that's the thing. I'm like, I feel it's a cinemati and that it's, it's, it's half of a full story, technically. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I, I, yes, you could argue that, but cliffhangers have been done before. Yeah. Uh, uh, but you know, like I said, I, I think I, it's really funny. Like, like, we, like, last time I was on with Watchmen, it was like, imagine, like, oh, like in 2007 during the culture of Spider Man 3, Warner Brothers is like, here, Hack Snyder, here's a hundred million dollars to make Watchmen. 
then you and you rewind fifteen years and you're like Disney will buy Marvel and create the probably the no it, no, it is no, the no. Most successful you, you, film franchise of all time. Simpsons did it. Simpsons called it. They didn't call Marvel Disney buying Marvel. They called Disney bar buying Fox though. I know that. Well, yeah, and they and they called Disney bot owning them as well, and they also called Trump being president in like two thousand. No, it was it was earlier than that, I think. Nah, it's two thousand. The episode was on just the other day. I was it's, watching. It's a it great episode. FX. It's the uh, yeah, like, like Bart had Le- Bart, Le- the Bart, Bart of the Future. In, yeah, Bart in the casino. There, there's a mention of um, of you know we quite a budget crisis from President Trump. Yeah, it's so. uh. Yeah, they, the Simpsons can be oddly prophetic at times. It's, and it's one of those things where they point out, they just say just the most ridiculous stuff sometimes in the writer's room. It's it's never an intentional thing. And since they poke barbs at everything, it's like, how could they not get stuff right? I guess it's the law of averages, but it's kind of spooky when it's that it, specific. It is. It really is. But Will World Zenger, what are we doing with our lives? Like this is like, oh dear lord. Well, if people want to see more from what you what you do with your life, sir, where can they find more from you? Um, you can find me on the C Word podcast, but can, this time the Cinematis. I was about to say we've said it a few times. I think on here now. No, no, but yeah, Cinematis. Uh, currently, or as of now, it should be concluding the Avengers Endgame experiment, where uh, I think maybe Zenger will have placed that clip. Of my horrible experience in Infinity War, where we kind of—I'm just going to keep posting it every like now and then in this, just oddly. Every every time we say Captain America, every time. Also, I want to tell your audience: there's an unofficial rule. Every time you Captain America shows up in Endgame, you have to applaud. You have to applaud. Just standing ovation. Standing ovation. Damn straight. If other pieces parts of the audience try to outdo your applause, you do it even louder. Yes. You don't stop applauding until you know what someone throws you out of the movie theater. Uh, but no, find me on Cinematis. Uh, we talk about all sorts of movies that are cinematic oddities. And uh, you can also find Zenger and I both on Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast where insert Palpatine being behind it all joke here. He's behind our podcast. We can only hope. I know, we can. All right, well, thank you very much for joining me on my road to Endgame. So um, I guess now go see the movie. Oh, dear Lord. I know. No, we're at that point now.
deal. Stay close, check in. Don't take any chances. I'm sorry. We just wanted time. Where to, Cal? 